Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. I hope you can hear me. Um, I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. When I'm done, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. If you would reply, thanks be to God, that would be great. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Um, It is beautiful weather. Has anybody been enjoying the weather the last couple of days? Man. Just feel like a new man. Uh, if anybody wants a Bible, we have Bibles for you. Um, we love to hand out copies of God's Word. And so if you want a Bible, you can follow along. Just slip your hand up, and Caleb in the back's got a few. He'll pass those out to anybody that would like one. Um, but we are going to be right in that passage that we just heard read in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you do have a Bible, go ahead and be opening to that. Um, and I'm going to pray for us again before we jump in. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you for um, the saints gathered, my brothers and my sisters in this room who uh, have chosen today to to be here when there are uh, things that they could be doing out in this beautiful weather, but they have um, prioritized gathering together to hear your word preached and um, to, to lift up the name of Jesus in worship, and I just pray, God, that you would bless every person here uh, with open ears and a soft heart, and that you would give me the words you want me to say. And I ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, Tiffany, my wife Tiffany, and I, we uh, we are high school sweethearts, and then we went to the University of Georgia together. And um, it was in our junior year of college that the Lord opened our eyes to the gospel. We understood the gospel truly for the first time and became Christians. Um, and um, it was the, the next couple of years of college, we, we, we grew some, but we were hopping around from church to church and didn't really commit to one place and didn't really know how to go about that. And, uh, and so because of that, we didn't grow as much as we could have. After we graduated, we got engaged and uh, immediately started looking for a church where we could commit, where we could plug in and grow. And the Lord led us to um, a great church where the pastor faithfully preached God's word through books of the Bible. And eventually uh, we were discipled and we went through a great season of growth in that church. Uh, Many of you have had a similar story where there was a particular church in your life where God used it, uh, where you were under some 
the preaching of God's word, faithful preaching and teaching, um, where God really grew you in your faith. And, um, and today, I, you know, I've been thinking about what you need to know from this passage. What will help you uh, going forward? Many of you will not be at this church for very long. We're in a transient place. And uh, some of you are students, and God's going to call you to go to a school somewhere else, or uh, your, your job is going to ask you to move, or you're in military, and, and you're going to have to move some, somewhere else soon. And, and that's part of where we are. That's part of being a church right here in this spot that God has ordained us to be in, and, um, and we just embrace that. It's, it's kind of hard at times, right, because we're always saying goodbye to somebody that we love and care about. But then again, we look at it and we say, well, this is an opportunity for us to have an impact on people in places all over the world. Um, but the point is that many of you will go somewhere else at some point and you'll have to find a healthy church. And maybe some of you aren't even, this isn't your church home, uh, not yet anyways, and you're, you're looking, where is God calling you? And so you're here today checking things out. And I want to give you some help from this passage about what to look for in a healthy church. And in particular, I want you to be able to consider this very important issue of the preaching within the church as you look for uh, um, a church. Um, there are obviously other important factors to consider. Are they, do they have healthy community? Um, how is the church led? Are they being transparent with things, or are they domineering in their leadership? What's their mission? What are their values? But as you evaluate a church, nothing is going to be more important than how they treat and teach and preach God's Word. Because ideally, if the Word of God is being handled correctly, then the rest of the church should be in order. Um, this is why Paul puts so much emphasis on preaching the word in this letter to his protege, Timothy. So if you are new to this series, we've been working through these two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. This is a, uh, Paul is an older, seasoned pastor and an apostle. He's writing to a younger pastor, Timothy. Probably Timothy isn't very young by the time this second letter is written. Um, but Paul's writing to him, and Paul's at the end of his, of his race. I mean, what we're going to see in the weeks ahead is that, that he believes his time to go home and be with the Lord is coming at any moment. And he's trying to leave his, his friend, his, his protege, his disciple, Timothy, this, this encouragement to keep going in the ministry and to stay faithful in the ministry. And here are the things you need to remember as you do that if you're going to be faithful. And that's where we find ourselves here in chapter 4. And that's where we, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. If you're a note taker, my first point this morning is the motivation for a life of purpose. The motivation for a life of purpose. So maybe 
you want to live a life of purpose, you want to have an impact on this world, that you want to have an impact on the kingdom of God. And I want to show you what motivated Paul and what he believed should motivate us when it comes to living a life of purpose. Paul never forgot that Jesus was coming back and that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom on this earth. If you were here last Sunday for Easter, we talked about this, that the resurrection, the resurrection of Christ is he is the firstborn from the dead. In other words, many others will be raised, that is every single saint, will be raised to rule and reign with Christ in his kingdom forever. He's coming back. And Paul never lost sight of that. It it drove him, it motivated him, and he wanted it to motivate Timothy. He says, I charge you. A charge is entrust someone with a responsibility. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding Timothy of the source of his charge, but he's also reminding Timothy of this reality, and that is that God is always present. Another way of thinking about this is God is always in the room. He's always in the room. He says he wants Timothy to remember this. There's never a time when God turns his back and isn't paying attention. And that should wake us up to the importance of the way we live. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Paul, chained up in prison, knows that he is still in the presence of God. And he's writing to Timothy, and he wants Timothy to know wherever Timothy is when he gets this letter, that he is still he is in the presence of God, that his life is lived in the presence of a God who watches him and cares for him and is coming back for him. And he says, who is to judge the living and the dead? When Jesus returns... He will judge every person who has ever lived, including those who are still alive at his return. No one will escape his judgment. No one. And that judgment will look very different for believers than it will for unbelievers. But it will still happen nonetheless. Um, Paul says in Romans 14, 12, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we know this, that if we are in Christ, if we have trusted Christ, if we've believed the gospel, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Ever, ever. So that judgment for believers will not look like condemnation. But it will happen. And there will be um, a fire that tests our work, the Bible says. And the work that's done for Christ in the power of Christ will survive the fire and there will be rewards given out. And and here's what we know about that. We don't know all the details of what that will look like, but we know it's coming. And we know that when Paul thought about it, it sobered him up. Whenever he thought about this, I mean, this is always in his writings. When the judgment comes up, there is a sober tone. Oh, let's not forget. Christ is coming back. He will judge 
the living and the dead. Let's live in light of what's coming. Let's not throw away our lives. Let's not throw away our time. Let's use our lives, our energy, our resources, our talents, everything that God has given us for the glory of God because he's coming back and he is going to judge the living and the dead. So what about you? Do you live in light of God's presence with you right now and every single day, wherever you are, at work, at home, in private, in a crowd, with your friends, when you're watching TV, when you're on the internet, do you live with the knowledge that God is in the room? Do you live in light of the charge he's given you? I mean, he's given Timothy a charge, but he's given you a charge as well. What has he given you to be responsible for? He's given everyone a charge, a stewardship. What has he given you to steward? Even if it's just your own time and energy, he's given you a charge. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what he's given you? Are you a mother raising children? A father who will stand before Christ for the way you led or didn't lead your family? Are you an employer or an employee? Have you been charged with a specific position and influence at work? Are you a student? What influence in people's lives has God given to you? What have you been charged with? And do you stop to think, and if you don't, I hope right now you are, to, to think and assess, how am I doing with what he's given me? How am I stewarding what he's given me? Am I stewarding it? Am I thinking like a steward at all? Have I been faithful? Will my work pass the test in the end? So that's the first point I want us to see here, is that Paul wants Timothy and us by extension to live in light of the fact that God is in the room, that he is coming back, that our works will matter for eternity, that what you do matters forever. 2 Timothy um, 4.2. We're going to be in this, this verse for a bit. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So my next point, if you're, if you're a note taker, is the pastor's charge. What is the pastor's charge? What's the pastor's stewardship, the pastor's responsibility um, in Acts chapter 6, it gets summarized by prayer and preaching the word. Here, Paul's telling Timothy, preach the word. This is what you're charged with, and this is what you must do well. Um, and, and don't forget the verses that came before this. So a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, Nathan did a phenomenal job of just unpacking the last two verses of chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Let me just read those again for us to, to give us context of what came right before this. Paul has just written, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And we learned a couple of weeks ago from Nathan, that all this means that all of Scripture 
is, comes from God, comes out of God, and, and it is infallible, it is sufficient to train us, to, to prepare us for what God has for us. And knowing this, we should seek to study the Bible, to read the Bible. Many of you a couple of weeks ago heard that sermon and you made a commitment to do that. How's that going? Just, just for your own self-assessment, how's it going? Keep it up. If you, if you haven't been doing it, get started. So important. Nothing will change your life more than that, than, than spending time every single day in God's word. It will feed your soul. It will transform your life. And, and, and so Paul's just gotten done saying that. And then he tells Timothy, reminds Timothy, preach the word. So, so what we see here is, and this is the thing we ought to be processing as we see this, is that reading the Bible all by yourself isn't enough. God has ordained that sitting under the preaching and teaching of the Word be a necessary part of your growth as a Christian. Do you see that? Do you see that by God giving to the church preachers and teachers, and then exhorting those preachers and teachers preach the word do you see that what he is saying is that this is what the church needs otherwise he would just say here look take a bible go get a loan read it just you god and your bible that's all you need but that's not at all what the new testament teaches the new testament teaches that you need a church you need the church and the church needs you that this, that this is a family, that we actually teach and exhort and admonish one another, and that we don't do well on our own. Maybe you know someone personally who drifted away from the church, and it seemed like they were just going to take a little time off, and they never came back to Christ. If you don't know that story, ask somebody, they will tell you. You need the church, and the church needs you. You need to sit under the preaching of the word. God has ordained it to be so. So, if that's the case, then you need to be able to discern when you are looking for a, a church, because as we know, there are unhealthy ones, plenty of them to go around, especially around here, right? How do you recognize bad preaching? That's my, my next point. How do you recognize bad preaching? Notice that the charge that's given to pastors is preach the word. Not every preacher who stands in a pulpit or in front of a church with an open Bible is actually preaching the word. There are many false teachers out there who are twisting the scriptures, blatantly twisting God's word to say things that are not in line with orthodox, historic Christian faith. Beware of those. But there are other ways that people might stand in front of a church with an open Bible and still not preach God's word that take a little bit more discernment. And those are some things I want to point out. There are many preachers who are preaching themselves rather than the word. They're preaching their opinions, their stories, their, their personalities, their humor. I mean, they're just putting themselves on display, and that can pull people in. And then they sprinkle in some verses as well. And, and, and there's some truth in what they're saying, but the, the content 
of the message isn't the word of God. You follow me? Many other preachers are preaching the wisdom of the world. And some, you're going to see a mixture of this in some churches. They're preaching the wisdom of the world rather than the word. They're preaching five easy steps to a better you, or three steps to financial freedom, or four steps to less anxiety, and then they're going to sprinkle some scripture in there, and, you know, that kind of fits their, their points. But, but if you listen with discernment and with an open Bible, and you're studying yourself, and you know what God's Word says, and you're listening with a discerning ear, what you might find is that they're not really saying anything a whole lot different from what the secular life coach might say or the motivational speaker. Um, and then others are preaching man-made rules and regulations rather than the Word. And what I mean is that they're not pointing to Christ as our righteousness, as our sufficiency. They're not, they're not pointing you to the gospel as the ground that you should stand on. The finished work of Christ is what makes you right before God. But they're, but they're trying to tell you if you do this and do this and do this, then you will be right with God. And maybe they don't say it that explicitly, but it's, it's in there. They heap burdens on people too heavy to bear. And fill their minds with rules. Do not touch. Do not taste. Do as I do. Do as I say. It's, it's, it's um, the Pharisees all over again. And in, in these churches, oftentimes, um, people live under this fear, right? Of like, am I, doing, am I, am I meeting the expectations of the, the leaders rather than am I pleasing Christ with my life? See the difference? So those are some ways to recognize bad preaching. How do you recognize good preaching? Um, well, good preaching is letting God's word do the talking. It, it's, it's taking, it's, it's just laying out the word of God and, and, and saying here is all that's packed in to these verses that we're studying. The faithful preacher doesn't write his sermons and then find verses to support his ideas. He preaches straight from the Bible. He preaches the Word and, 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 and then helps people to apply it to their lives today. Um, we, are, we are trying to the best of our ability, albeit imperfectly, to do this. We are not perfect. And I don't, but listen, this is one of those sermons that can be so self-serving. And I can just get up here and beat my drum or, or toot my horn or whatever. <laughs> I can play an instrument. <laughs> but but I, I, I do not want you to think that what I'm saying is New King's the perfect church you are at the perfect church. Watch out for everybody else. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But what I am responsible to do, what I will stand before God for, is that I look at this passage and I try to tell you what it says and what it means for you and how you're to apply it and how you're to use it to help have discernment going forward. Amen. Thank you. At, at New King, we believe that the best way we can do this to preach the word 
is what's typically called expository preaching. And all that means is that we preach through books of the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, and we're trying to pull out of the text just what it means in its original context and then apply it. That, that's, what, that's all it is, simplified. There's another approach that's called topical, um, which does have some downsides, but it's not, it's not wrong. It's not bad. Um, but it's just, it, we don't do it that way typically. We do some topical teaching, and I think there are some advantages to occasionally taking a topic that's really needed and relevant for the church at a given time and digging into it so that you can go through the scriptures and look at the different places that the Bible talks about a given topic and, and see it all, right? But here's what I think is so valuable about expository preaching. A couple of things. One is that it teaches us how to study the Bible. That, the, that when we work through books of the Bible and study a verse at a time in order and in context, that's how we're supposed to study the Bible too. And, and I think a lot of times when we sit under topical preaching, we, we, we read the Bible like this. You know, we flip it around and we just hop around and, and that's fine. I mean, but it's not Gonna, it's not going to produce as much fruit as sitting down with one book of the Bible and working through it from beginning to end and digging in. And, and so we want to preach the Bible the way that the Bible should be studied so that we're learning as we go how to study God's Word. Here's the other thing that I see about it. It's a huge benefit of expository preaching. That is, if you preach through books of the Bible, you will address hard and yet very important topics. Right? God's Word has a lot to say about His design for sexuality and marriage and gender and the family, things that our culture wouldn't agree with. Um, it has a lot to say about how the church should be led, the need for generosity with our finances, how to be in relationships with people who are different from us, the dignity of el the elderly and the unborn. God's Word has much to say about the thoughts we think, the things that we say, what we do in private. It speaks about how we treat people, how we relate to people in authority, and how we should work at our jobs. And when we preach through books of the Bible, we are forced to address all of those things. Because here's just a confession. There are things that I would rather not preach. <laughs> That's just the reality. There are topics I would just rather not preach, but that I will preach because we'll get to it, and we're not going to skip over it. And see, that's a real benefit of working through books of the Bible. It's an accountability for us pastors, for us teachers. It's like, well, here we are talking about gender roles in the church, and I wasn't really wanting to preach on that, but I am, and I did back in First Timothy. You can go back and listen to it. Um, there are just things that we will avoid in our flesh because we are people pleasers, even though we don't want to be and we fight against it. So when we preach through books of the Bible, we address things that we wouldn't otherwise address, even if just unintentionally we would avoid them. That being said, we will preach topical from time to time, and I am not bashing topical preachers. Um, I'm just sharing why we do it the way that we do it. 
you can faithfully preach God's word through a topical sermon um, series, and we've done so on the uh, character of God, on the traits, the attributes of God. We've, we've done it on the church and what's a healthy church look like, and we've done a whole series on that. So um, I'm not trying to bash anybody. So preaching the word, that is the main thing you're looking for when you are assessing whether or not somebody's preaching is accurate. Open your Bible, read it, know it, study the passage that they're preaching, check them, check me when I preach a text or any of us who preach up here, check us. Read and know your Bible and check that we are preaching the accurate word of God. All right. Then he goes on to say, um, be ready in season and out of season. Um, this is my next point for you, note takers. Always be ready to serve. Here's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying to Timothy, you need to be ready to preach anytime an opportunity arises. Um, so Timothy probably did a good bit of traveling. He had, he had been on missionary journeys with Paul, and, and he knew people and churches all around. And even in this letter, at the end of this letter, Paul's going to write to him and say, um, do your best to come before winter. So, so Timothy is in Ephesus. He's going to have to get on a boat, go a long way over to Italy to get to where Paul is probably in prison in Rome. And so that's by the time he goes, and then he's there at least for the whole winter because you can't get back during the winter. He's, this is a six-month journey, right? He's going to be away from his church at least six months. And, and what I think Paul is getting at is, look, always be ready. When you're on a boat and an opportunity arises to preach, preach. He's, he's saying, man, you're, you don't think of like, don't think that you're just like on or you're off. Always be ready to use your gift to do what God's called you to do. Be ready. Anybody in here grow up playing uh, Little League baseball or softball? Anybody? So um, one thing that you learn early on in Little League ball is that you can't stand in the field with your hands on your hips like this kicking dandelions, right? And if you do that for too long, eventually there's going to be a ball hit right at you, and you're going to be like, oh, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And so if you do that, your coach will yell, get in the ready position. And, and so that means you got to put your feet wide, you got to kind of bend your knees, you got to get your glove ready in case the ball comes, right? Be ready. It means you got to change your posture. You got to change your stance. You've got to be ready to act at a moment's notice. And that's what I picture when Paul says to Timothy, be ready. I think we need to be ready to serve Christ at all times. Um, parents. You will have many more opportunities to teach and train your children for godliness when you don't feel up to it than when you do. You'll probably 
have a chance to connect with a neighbor and tell them about your faith when you're in a hurry to go run an errand and you feel like you don't have enough time to talk to them. Your coworker will ask you about what you believe on the week that you feel down in the dumps, have been struggling with sin, aren't in the mood to share about the hope you're supposed to have in Christ. Be ready. Opportunities to bear fruit for Christ are not waiting for you to be on a good streak in your quiet time and well-rested and, and, and thinking about what might come before you and, and on a mountaintop spiritually. They're not going to wait for that. Opportunities to bear fruit for Christ are going to come when you least expect them. You know, the feeding of the 5,000 happens when the disciples have just gone on their first missionary journeys and they've been all over the place traveling, casting out demons and preaching the gospel and they come back and they're wiped and, and Jesus sees it and Jesus knows it and he says, hey guys, come away with me. Let's go retreat for a little while. And they get on a boat to go and they get on the other side to where they're supposed to be retreating and there is a crowd of thousands of people waiting for them. And Jesus says, this is what we're doing. Right? Because he was ready in season and out of season. So this applies to us. It applies also to coming to church. Um, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but some of us come to church like the kid in T-ball playing left field, who's like, the ball is never coming out here to me, Right? And we need to come to church ready. We need to come to church like this. Like, God, what are you going to throw at me? How am I going to get to serve your body today? What are you going to use me for? Right? Instead of, what are you going to do for me today, God? There's a difference. God has called every Christian to serve his body. Even when you're not officially in like a position with hospitality or serving in kids or whatever, don't come like it's an off day. Come eager. Come eager to be a part of the family, to contribute to what God is doing People have been praying all week long for this service every single week for what God is going to do. Come and be a part of it. Be ready in season and out of season. Do not give in to consumer Christianity. Contribute to the ministry of the church. All right, next, and I hope that this connects my next point. Embrace convicting preaching. Embrace convicting preaching. Notice the next thing that Paul says to Timothy. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, reprove just means correct. It means to correct someone's direction. Rebuke is more like a, whoa, stop in the direction that you're going and turn around. 
Um, so it's a little stronger. And then exhort is keep going in the same direction you've been going. Keep it up. Keep going. Right? That, those are the three words that we see here. Most of Paul's, like the greatest percentage of Paul's writing is exhortation. Keep going, keep going, reminding people of what the Lord has done for them and what the Lord wants to do through them and what the Lord is doing throughout the world and what the gospel is doing and, and keep it up, keep going, keep believing, right? That's what most of the, the highest percentage, if you just break it down. But you see a lot of reproof and rebuking as well of, hey, I see this. You need to change, change directions a little bit. You're getting a lot, little off course. And then other times where he's like, whoa, stop and turn around, right? Um, what he is saying here is that preaching should have the same things in it as well. And I think that preaching ought to um, reflect the scriptures. So in other words, I think that most of our preaching should be like encouraging in tone. Most of our church services, you should leave here like, man, that was wind in my sails. Praise God. But then other times that you just walk out like, I have got to go do business with God. Right? That ought to happen sometimes. And, and I think even in every sermon, there ought to be things that are like encouraging and then things that are like, ow, that, that hits home. Makes me feel a little awkward that you're talking about that. Right? In other words, faithful preaching will not just, it will not only encourage. It will also correct. It will also rebuke. Right? Um, it will help us to see where our thinking has been wrong. And um, so if we sit under faithful preaching, we will feel corrected at times by God. We will feel rebuked at times by God. And preaching that always affirms us and never confronts us isn't biblical. You're not, we are not that good. <laughs> right? We're messed up. We fall on our faces all the time. And if we're listening to preaching that is being honest with the Scriptures and what the Scriptures say, and we have ears to hear it at all, there are going to be times where we're like, man, I've really got to change some things, right? Um, so embrace convicting preaching. It's good. This is, I hope that you are here because you want to grow, right? And that's what growth feels like. It feels like some things rubbing me and, and making me feel like, oh, I don't know that I'm doing it all right. We're not. We're not doing it all right. Now, a little offshoot of this is I want to encourage us to embrace awkward conversations as well. Because, again, this isn't just in the context of preaching, but, but this is also the way that the church is supposed to work. And I think 
okay, I get it. There are people who love awkward conversations too much, and I'm not saying do that. (laughs) But I, I think that in our time, in in the West, in 2023, I think we really, really struggle with having awkward conversations for the sake of someone's growth. Am I the only one who thinks that? Maybe, maybe you've been at a church that went, went overboard with this, and, I, and I'm sorry for that, if that was your story. But I think that a healthy church is willing like looking for, now, man, this is, so, this is so hard because it takes such tact and prayer and gentleness and humility. But I think we're called to, like, when we see some, a brother or sister that's believing wrongly or going in a wrong direction or, God forbid, living in unrepentant sin, then we have a responsibility as a friend, as their brother, as their sister, to have a conversation. And the reality is, if you don't, probably no one will. You see something that, it's like, man, I think that they're headed in a wrong direction, and, and there might be a verse that I could share. And, and, you know, there's a way to do it, right? That's gentle and loving and humble. But if we avoid it, what we're saying is, I'm okay with my brother or my sister continuing down that wrong path. So I think because of that, we need to embrace some awkward moments. Just, just gently coming to somebody and saying, I think I see this. And listen, if you've had a friend, a brother or a sister do this for you, Praise God for that friend, because that is a real friend, most likely. They could just be really proud and critical, but if, if they did this really humbly and in love, then that's a real friend. That's a real friend, especially if they did it and said, I want you to please point out anything you see in my life, right? Proverbs 27, 6 says the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. Um, so let's, let's embrace that. Um, let's, if, if you feel like you see something, pray first. Make sure you get the log out of your own eye first, right? Um, humble yourself. It, it, but, but, but then once you've done that and you made sure that you're not just having a critical spirit and you're not just judging everybody and you're not just thinking, man, I am better than everybody else, once you've humbled yourself, go, go to them and just say, hey, I love you. I think I might see this and I think that this would possibly be an encouragement. Here's, what I, here's the verses that came to mind rooted in the scriptures. It's important. All right, last uh, point which I'm going to have to summarize here, is remain under healthy preaching. And, um, and here's, here's the summary of this last, these last two verses. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but, will, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, I've got I to gotta summarize this. As we've said, good preaching 
it, it will encourage us, but it will also correct us. It will also stop us in our tracks and say, turn around, go the other way, right? And, and then in verse 3, he says, for the time is coming. So he's just said to Timothy, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, that's the, the humble, humbly, gently, lovingly. And he says, for the time is coming when you won't be able to do that. People won't listen. For the time is coming when people won't endure sound teaching. So do it now. That's what he's telling Timothy. The point is that there is coming a time when people won't want to be reproved or rebuked or exhorted, or maybe just only exhorted. The time is coming when people will only want to be affirmed in what they're already doing. The time is coming when people won't want to sit under the word, they'll want to sit under an entertainer. The time is coming when people will want to hear great stories and great anecdotes and the wisdom of the world, but not the wisdom of God. That time is coming, and guys, it's here. We are in it. He says there's coming a time when people will have having itching ears. What is he, what's he getting out there? Um, this, I think, refers to a an appeal, like, it's looking for novelty. What's something new and interesting that I can hear all the time? Uh, if I've already heard it, I don't want to hear it, you know. It's got to be new and interesting. Um, I, think it also, uh, I think it also speaks to this desire to just be entertained, right? Um, so watch out for this. Be careful of this. Um, don't, don't, don't go on YouTube with itching ears. How, I've always I said this a million times, and I'll say it again. I, when Paul says people will ac- accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, I think he must have prophetically seen the social media internet age. Because how were people accumulating teachers for themselves in those days? Like, now you can. I mean, you can just accumulate teachers that talk about the thing that you want them to talk about, the thing that, that, that's intriguing to you for, for itching ears. So I just want to exhort you, don't do that. Don't have itching ears and go on YouTube and just look for teachers. Here's a big problem. There are some great preachers on the internet, I, but, but here's the problem, the danger, I guess, the concern is that you can't see their lives. And Jesus said, you'll know false teachers by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. And if you can't see their lives, it's just a little bit risky. So I just want to warn you against that and just say be so discerning when you listen to an online teacher. Um, and one other thing I need to say here and, and that is, what if, you, what if you're sitting under the preaching of the word, but it's not having an impact? Like, it was, and so you think, okay, let's just say, I've been at New King for a while, and a, and, and a while back, it was really having an impact on my soul, and then it stopped, and I don't know what happened. And, and my friend's, you know, growing, and I've stopped growing. What's going on? I just want to speak to that, because I've seen it happen. I don't know anybody who's in this 
I'm not preaching to anybody in, in particular. I just have seen this in the past, and I just want to give this warning. If that's where you're at, where like the preaching here at New King or wherever was impacting you, and then it stopped, it could be that the problem is with the preacher. It could be. Or there's also the potential that there is something in your own heart that needs to be addressed, that's stunting your growth. It could be unforgiveness. I've seen that. It could be a critical spirit. I've seen that where, like, you're judging everything really hard. It could just be an unrepentant sin in your life that you haven't dealt with. But, but if you'll kind of work through that with the Lord, I've seen this over and over again. The next time you come to church and you hear a sermon, you're going to be like, whoa. Where has that been? Because all of a sudden your heart's soft and ready and, and, the, and the word of God pierces it. Um, all right. So I hope, I hope with all my heart that you see that I'm not saying that I think New King is the perfect church or that I'm, I am far from the perfect preacher but that we are trying, by God's grace, to just be faithful to the Word of God and let it do its work. And we will mess up. We will get some things wrong. That's why you need to be in the Word, and you need to know it for yourself. Um, but wherever you end up, wherever God moves you one day, or if, you, if, you, if God calls you somewhere else, I just beg you, use discernment, from the Word of God to find out, is, is this a faithful church? Are they faithful with God's Word? Are they preaching God's Word faithfully? Are they expounding it? Are they letting God's Word do the talking, or, or is it something else? Um, and if you, if you call New King Church home, what should you take away? I want to just challenge you to be here every week possible. When you're not traveling, be here. Sit under the Word of God because it will change you. Prioritize coming. And come in the ready position. Come, like, ready. Pray beforehand. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that your posture is right. Make sure that you're hungry for it. Do that work to come ready, and God's Word will speak to you every single time. Let's pray. Father, I know that was a long sermon, and it is hot in here. But God, I thank you for um, people who want to hear your, God, your, your word, uh, God, taught and, um, and, and who are eager to learn. And Lord, I pray for those of us in the room who, for, for some reason or another, maybe have, have been stunted in our growth. Lord, that whatever might be causing that, that you would just graciously and gently help us to see what it is so that we can get rid of it, uh, so that we can repent, so that we can begin to grow again. Lord, make us a church that, that grows and that, that seeks to know your will, whatever that is for our lives, and then that lives it out. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.